Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. You know, sometimes people will come to a church, you know, and they have their minds made up about what they think the Bible says and, uh, and what they believe really isn't scriptural, but they're, they're absolutely convinced it is. We were praising the Lord in other tongues one time and this man came up to me after the service and he said, I just want you to know this whole service was out of order. I said, is that right? He said, yeah, it's just speaking, speaking in other tongues. It was all out of order. That's unscriptural. I said, really? I said, show me that in the Bible. And so, you know, he pointed to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Turn, turn over there, 1 Corinthians 14. Amen. It's not my message tonight, but we need to be reminded of these things. Amen. Lest the enemy take advantage of us. And so, uh, I don't know if he turned over there or he just quoted this in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians he said that uh, verse number four he said he who speaks in the tongues edifies himself but he who prophesies edifies the church I wish you all spoke with tongues but even more that you prophesied for he that prophesies is greater than he, was, than he who speaks with tongues unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edifying and uh, if you go on reading this, it says, Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? And he goes on to, to give some examples of, you know, uh, musical instruments. Unless they give a certain sound, then you won't know uh, what's being played. Uh, verse 9, So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will be it known? How will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. Uh, so, uh, you know, he said this is all out of order because there was no interpretation. It was all a waste of time. Nobody knows what was said. And uh, I said, okay. Now, if that's true, then first of all, in the, in the second chapter of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, it says that the Holy Spirit, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. He said, that's right. And he said there were people there from all of those uh, nations there and he said they heard them. They were speaking supernaturally in languages that were known to those people. I said, that's true. I said, but that was not the interpretation of tongues. No one interpreted on Pentecost Sunday. No one interpreted what was spoken in other tongues. That was not the gift of interpretation. They were speaking in other tongues. And it says that that listed all those different places because, you know, this was a big feast in Jerusalem, Feast of Pentecost. And so these, these uh, uh, people, Jews had come, you know, and sojourned to Jerusalem to attend this feast and they were from all of these different places, they listed all the different places and all those different places spoke different languages. And the day of Pentecost it said that these people were confused when they heard what they heard because they said, we heard you all speaking in our tongues, our native tongues where we were born. But you know all those people weren't born, weren't born in the same place. It listed all these different places. Well, that represented different languages. So somebody, for instance, from, from the Parthians 
And the, and the Elamites, and I forget the different places you know, they named, there were, there were a group of people from, from that location that heard what was being said in other tongues and it was said in their language. But other people heard what was said in their own language. If you weren't from one of those places, you wouldn't have known what was being spoken. Now that's in Acts chapter two. There was no interpretation. That was, a, that was a, an unusual occurrence and it's not recorded that, that, that that ever happened again in the New Testament. I'm not saying it couldn't, but there's no, there's no recording that, that that ever happened again. That was a very unusual situation. So each one heard them speak in his own language. But now if you were there and you heard someone speaking in your language, then you also heard someone speaking in somebody else's language that you didn't understand. Because there had to be people speaking in tongues in all these different languages for all of these people to have heard them. So yeah, you heard them speaking in your own language and you understood that. This guy speaking in your language, you didn't, but this guy over here was speaking in tongues and you didn't know what he was saying. Are you seeing that? So there were people speaking in tongues and there were people hearing them and not knowing what they were saying. Knew what this guy was saying because he was speaking in my native language, but the rest of the crowd, what in the world were you saying? If you go on over to Acts chapter 10, Cornelius' house. Cornelius was a centurion. He was a uh, uh, prominent Roman soldier, so he was prosperous. He probably had a big house. It said all of his relatives and friends were assembled together. They were all there, so we don't know. It could have been, it could have easily been a crowd this big. I mean, you know, all of his relatives and friends, well, everybody wants to be the centurion's friend. So there was no doubt a, a good crowd of people there. And when the and, and while Peter was preaching, the Bible says the Holy Ghost fell on those who heard the word. And Peter and those with him from Jerusalem were amazed that on the Gentiles, the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out. And how did they know? For they heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God. Now, there was no interpretation of those tongues. So the people there that were speaking in tongues didn't know what they were saying. The, those from Jerusalem didn't know what they were saying. They just realized they were speaking in other tongues. So if we're out of order doing that, then they were out of order on the day of Pentecost and they were out of order in Acts chapter 10 and they were out of order in Acts chapter 19 because in Acts chapter 19, Paul was at Ephesus, you remember, and he found certain disciples and they ministered to them and, and, and uh, laid hands on them and the Bible says the Holy Ghost came up upon them and they spoke with other tongues and prophesied. Didn't say they gave the interpretation of their tongues. So they spoke with tongues, no interpretation, and they prophesied. So there was no interpretation of those tongues. Now that's the three examples. Now, now we, we know that in Acts chapter eight, it's likely that they spoke in tongues, but it doesn't just say so right there in the text. We know that in, in, the, in the ninth chapter, the apostle Paul, was Saul of Tarsus, he probably spoke in tongues then, but we don't know that he did, but we know he did later. So we assume he received when he was first filled with the Spirit, just like everybody else but it's not stated. But the three occasions where it specifically mentions people being filled with the Spirit, speaking with tongues, there was no interpretation. 
So people there heard people speaking with other tongues and had no idea what they were saying. Well, how, how, does, that, how does that align with this passage? See, if you, if you interpret this, this chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, if you, if you interpret it in a very narrow, restricted sense in one way, then the day of Pentecost was out of order, Acts chapter 10 was out of order, Acts chapter 19 was out of order. Well, you know that can't be, that couldn't be true. And, and the key here, he says in verse number six, now brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, that is give a revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by teaching. You see, right now, I've come to you. I'm speaking to you. And you need to understand what I'm saying. It would be silly for me to get up and uh, open my notebook and just take the next 20 minutes just speaking to you in other tongues. That wouldn't make any sense. Paul said that, that wouldn't, you wouldn't know what was being said. But see, it's one thing to come to you speaking like I'm doing now. It's another thing to come to the Lord speaking. See, it goes on down in the 14th chapter, 1 uh, Corinthians there. Let me get back to it. I think it's around the 17th verse or somewhere around there. Uh, <clears throat> 15th verse. What is the conclusion then? Starts in the 15th verse. I will pray with the spirit and also, I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. He says, otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at the giving of your thanks since you do, he does not understand what you say? It, it wouldn't do any good for me to... to uh, give thanks and lead the congregation in a prayer of thanksgiving and pray in other tongues because you wouldn't know what I said. You couldn't say amen at the end of it. But it's another thing when we're, we're not speaking to one another, we're just worshiping the Lord. See, I'm not, I've not come to you speaking, I've come to him speaking. It's one thing to speak to men, it's another thing to speak to God. When we're, now we might all be together in one room, but we're not talking to one another. Somebody said, I didn't understand a word you said. Well, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you, so you didn't need to understand the word I said. You see how people can take the scripture because they've been brainwashed one particular way and they've been, I, I remember when this man asked me this, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, how do, how do you handle speaking with tongues in your church where you come from? How, how do y'all do it? I knew what the answer was, but I just wanted to, and I was just giving him some rope to hang himself, you know. And I said, how do y'all do it? I acted really interested. And he said, we don't speak with tongues in our church. And I said, that's exactly right. You don't know anything about what you're talking about. You don't practice this at all. That's really what this is all about. You don't believe in, it's not that we weren't doing it right. It was the fact that we were doing it at all. And if you don't know anything about this, then you don't know anything about this. And, and, and I said that to him and he came back and he said, well, I don't have to speak with tongues to be able to read the Bible. I said, yeah, but if you speak with tongues, you'll understand the Bible better and you misunderstood what you read. Because he said, if I come to you speaking with other tongues, and, and friend, I didn't come to you speaking with other tongues this morning, neither did anybody else in this church. They were speaking to the Lord. Amen. 
So people get, you know, twisted and, and because they have their religious views. And, and I know people can come into our service and we've had it happen before. We've had people come in, you know, that visitors and they come with that, you know, uh, opinion, what they, you know, the way they've been taught and their tradition. And we begin to, to, to worship the Lord in other tongues. And, I, and I've seen them. I've seen them get up and grab their things and almost like they can't wait to get out of here. They're afraid something's going to happen to them. You know, something's going to get on them, you know. Well, it's, I guarantee it's not going to get on you. Amen. If you don't want anything to do with the Holy Ghost, he won't mess with you. Well, you know, some churches have forbidden and stopped practicing the flow of the Spirit like this. Because they say, well, you know, it runs off the unsaved. Unbelievers come in and, and Paul made an argument, you know, that if you do it wrong, if you just take a service and, and everything is in other tongues and there's no instruction, the people won't know what you're talking about. He said that would be confusion. And people would think you were crazy. But when you're, when you're doing it according to the scripture and you're just having a time of worship together, there, there will be people who are ignorant and unlearned who will come in and they won't understand. Well, we're not gonna, we're not gonna stop flowing with the Spirit. But like I said, there are these, these churches and, and groups today and, and, it's a, and it's pretty common for people to deny the flow of the Spirit. Don't, they don't have any. Churches that used to flow in the Spirit, used to have gifts of the Spirit, used to sing in other tongues or worship in other tongues, they don't allow that anymore because they say we're more, con we're more concerned with the lost. Well, they're saying that they're more interested in, in the lost than the Holy Spirit is. They really, that's, that's kind of the height of arrogance. That we, we're more interested in the lost than to allow the Holy Spirit to move. Well, that's not right either, is it? Amen. No, we, we're gonna maintain the flow of the Spirit and we're gonna stay within the parameters of the scripture. Amen. And if there is a tongue spoken to Bahasa, Kefiecha, Eregisa, Koreanda, Mariata, Kereesa, Rovieta, Moragini, Mariaka, Torianda, Imishipa, Horapafa, Eberema, Lemania, Sorianta. For the word of the Lord can come through various vehicles. The word of the Lord can come through this one or that one, not just one or another. The word of the Lord can be spoken by the Spirit and can be interpreted by the Spirit and that interpretation and that tongue can flow within the church and within the body so that everyone learns, everyone has an opportunity and everyone is edified. So yield yourself more to the Spirit. Give yourself more to the move of the Spirit and you'll find the Spirit will move more in you if you expect Him to. If you don't expect Him to, don't expect Him to. But if you expect him to, he will, says the Lord. Amen? Amen? So you can see there's a place for speaking other tongues and then giving the interpretation of that. But then there are times when, when we're not doing that. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Did that help you? Well, it didn't hurt you, I know. <laughs> praise the Lord. Glory to God. Let me just take a few minutes tonight. I know it's, it, the hour's running a little late and I'm not gonna prolong this, I promise. But I'm, I'm kind of running a parallel series on Sunday nights to Sunday morning. It's not exactly the same. Sometimes it spills over, but it's related, but it's, it's, it's not exactly. I'm following actually two tracks, but they're, they're related to one another. And so we've been talking about evil spirits, 
principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age and wicked spirits in high places. We've been talking about the, the place and origin of demons and those kinds of things. And so uh, we have to always uh, bring balance. Not, not that we're unbalanced, but people can become unbalanced. And people can uh, not hear things uh, the way it was really said or they can uh, just get confused over things. And when it comes to the business of demons, evil spirits, I don't, I don't suppose there's another area of Bible doctrine or Bible belief or Bible truth that is, that is any more apt to be taken to the extreme than the, areas, the, the area of demons. It just seems that, that it's, a, it's an area that people can, can easily get uh, off uh, Last, last week, remember last week I told you the story of the, of the ground that Brother Hagen cast that demon spirit out of? Remember that story? Wasn't that interesting? After the service, uh, uh, jo, uh, uh, Julia. Julia, Julia came up to me and she told me about a church she used to go to where the pastor taught them that every time you buy a piece of property, before you buy a piece of property, you should pray over it and discern whether there's an evil spirit in that property. Am I given the essence of what he said? And cast that out or, or else not buy it. And, and she was asking me about that. I said, no, that's an extreme teaching. That, there's, no, there's no Bible for that. There's no Bible for what happened in Brother Hagin's situation. I don't see an instance of that in the Bible. In cases like that where something happens, you say, well, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where anybody casts an evil spirit out of the ground. Well, I don't either. It just happened. And in times like that, you have to judge it by its fruit. Well, did, did something happen or did it just, Brother Hagin just do that and nothing changed? No, Pastor Moore went back to his home, had the ground retested, and it was clean. Now, how in the world can cast an evil spirit out of the ground clean up a toxic waste in the ground? How can that happen? I don't know. There are volumes could be written about what I don't know. So don't be surprised when I don't know. I can ask you a few things I imagine you wouldn't know either. All I know is it happened and it worked. So number, you have to judge things like that along this line. What was the result? Did something good come of it? Yes. Somebody said, yeah, but the devil can do some things. Don't give the devil so much credit. The devil's not going about doing good. Jesus went about doing good. Christians go about doing good. Good people go about doing good. The devil doesn't go about doing good. Well, that could have been the devil. He could have just done that just to deceive. But you see, the second, the second thing you judge, who got the glory? Jesus got the glory. Everybody that knows about that and has ever heard that story, give glory to God. You know the devil wouldn't have done anything to give God glory. Isn't that right? So no, we've never heard of that before. But because we've never heard of that before, we need to be careful and, and, and stay, make sure we stay in balance. It's, it's an extreme idea, and I was telling Julia that it's an extreme idea that the devil might be in a piece of property you have. And before you buy a piece of property, you need to pray over it and discern whether there's any evil spirits. That's an extreme teaching. There's no basis for that. 
So you wouldn't find that in the Bible. I, I told her, I said, we've, since that happened, my wife and I have bought several pieces of property. It never occurred to me. I was there when that happened. I was in the room when Brother Hagen cast that evil spirit out of that, uh, out of that piece of property. And it's never occurred to my mind, not one time until she said that, it's never occurred to me any of the other properties I ever bought. You know, I won't need to find out if there's a devil in it. There might be an evil spirit buried down here. Somewhere. It's never even occurred to me. No, don't, you can't build doctrine or practices, or practices based on something that happened. If it happened and, and, and it's judged to be of God and God got the glory and good, good, but you don't take it and build a doctrine out of it. There, there was somebody we heard about a number of years ago when we were in the old building. There was somebody around here that had gotten into this idea that the devil was in certain places around high springs in the ground. And particularly in, in the springs, does, it, do any, does any of you remember this story? There, were, there are some springs around here and they have devil names. Out of Jenny Springs, there's devil's eye, devil's ear, understand that? Over in Gainesville, they're in the Millhopper areas, the devil's Millhopper. What? These people, these people got off and, and it was an extreme teaching, an extreme practice. It wasn't scriptural. They, they had the idea that because these springs were named after devils, that they must have devils in them. And so they were going around to these bodies of water and they were attempting to cast the devil out of these springs based on their names. And then, you see, one error leads to another. They then, just, they then came up with the idea that there were certain locations on, in the highway where people have had tragic accidents and have been killed. There must be a demon there that caused that. So you've seen the places where people put wreaths and out inside the road. And so These folks would get together and they would go to these crash sites after the, you know, everything was cleared up, go a day or two later, and they would go through an exorcism I'm not making this up. I know you think I am, but I'm not. I'm not making this up. Am I telling the truth? Does anybody remember this? They would go through this exorcism and they had a little, they had a procedure. They had uh, grape juice. It was almost like a communion thing. And they had salt. They would pour salt. I don't know what that had to do. You know, the salt of the earth, I guess. I don't know. And they had this little salt concoction and this grape juice and, and, and I don't know. And they would go through this, this process and they would cleanse that spot of the evil spirit that caused that accident. Well, it wasn't enough after a while that it was just that people died. They started doing it where animals were died, had, had been killed on the road. So every place there was roadkill, <laughs> you could go back a few, minute, a few days later and you'd find some salt and some grape juice, grape juice and, and some crackers and grape juice and all mixed together. It was kind of weird. Well, then it developed into, they were visiting all the churches in the area because they didn't, you know, they didn't have a local church. This was just their thing. They did a little, you know, home group. And so they started visiting the churches because surely there were demons in the churches. And so they were coming to the various churches in town on off days when there was nobody there and they were going through a little extra. We found some stuff on the front porch of our church. It was grape juice some salt and some, to be honest, well, I'm not even gonna say what it looked like. 
looked like birds had been camping. <laughs> I'm going to just say that, okay? And they had gone through this exorcism of our church and of our, I don't know if it was us or the building. Can you see how people can get into error? So just because something happens, if it's not in the Bible, you don't make a doctrine out of it and you don't try to promote it or expect that to happen. Like, like the Lord said through tongues and interpretation, expect the gifts of the Spirit and if you expect them to work through you, they'll work. And if you don't, they won't. But you don't expect things that you have no scriptural basis for. A few years ago, there was a, a, a woman, she came out of, of Central or South America and she had oil in her hands that would appear when she was supposedly ministering to people. She had oil in her hands, and so uh, she, began to, uh, she began to get a lot of notoriety about this, and people started flocking to her meetings because she had oil. She was the lady with oil in her hands. And so big crowds were attending her services because, you know, when the oil appeared, then she would lay hands on people and people were healed, supposedly. I don't know what ever happened, but the big draw was the oil in her hands and it became uh, a following, it became a, a practice and, a, and it was almost a movement. People were following this oil thing. Well, you can't find that in the Bible. Now, I'm not saying it couldn't happen to someone, but you don't find it in the Bible, so you can't make a, a, a doctrine or, or build a ministry out of it. A number of years later, Brother Hagen was talking about this very thing, and he said that there were a few times, it have been a few times in his ministry when he would be sitting on the platform getting ready to minister to the sick, that he said, oil, the center palm of his hand would get oily. You remember uh, a Rich King? Raymond Singers and Van, he, he nudged Rick one night. Rick was sitting next to him up on the platform right before Brother Hagin preached. And he said, look at that. He just wanted him to see it. He said, there's oil in my hands. Brother Hagin said, I never mentioned that to anybody. He's, because he knew how these things, I tell you what, the word gets out, there's oil in Brother Hagin's hands. I mean, thousands of people will flock. I mean, you'll, you'll find a, a building somewhere where when the light strikes it in such a way or the rain has settled on it and stained the glass, people will think they see Jesus and him crying. And You understand what I'm talking about? All these, and a lot of times it's Catholic people, not knocking Catholics, but a lot of times they're always looking for these kinds of signs, you know? Yeah, and there's a weeping Jesus, you know, appears in a stained glass somewhere. And I'm telling you, tens of thousands of people will flock to that. Well, that's not scriptural. So Brother Hagin knew that and so he said, it appeared, he said, I didn't say a word to anybody. I just went ahead and laid hands on the sick and ministered. After he got through preaching, he laid hands on the sick. He said, I never said anything to anybody. He said, because I couldn't find scripture for it, so I just never talked about it. Well, you know, that's the way we ought to be about the things of the Spirit. If the Spirit of God manifests in a certain way, well, thank God he manifested in a certain way. But we always base our practice on the Bible. If there's Bible for it, then praise God. If there's not Bible for it and, and something occurs and good comes, we'll thank the Lord for that. But I said all of that talking about, about evil spirits. Some people can become so demon conscious. When you start teaching on evil spirits and demons, then suddenly there are demons everywhere to them. They see demons behind every bush, behind every door, 
you know, and so everything has to, this demons casting out of here. You don't, you can't get caught up in those things. Amen. Stay in line with the word and don't get into excess. There's another excess that, that uh, surfaced a few years ago among a lot of Rhema people. It was a man who was at one time Brother Hagan's crusade director for a short period of time, traveled on the road with Brother Hagan. When I went to Rhema in 1978 and 1980, this man was an instructor, a teacher, one of the professors there at Rhema. So you know that he had uh, a good reputation and people trusted him, believed in him, and he had to have some goodness and balance in his life to, you know, to reach that place. He's teaching at Rhema. But his wife was another story. His wife tended to be way out there. She tended to be on the fringes. She tended to, to sort of gravitate toward anything that was extraordinary and out of, out of the ordinary. She just was drawn to those kinds of things. And somehow they got involved in this demon business and casting out demons. And there is a valid ministry of casting out demons. Jesus said believers will cast out demons. But not everything is a demon. If you read the fifth chapter of Galatians, turn over there with me. Galatians chapter five. And we'll have to really quickly just read this and go on so I not keep you. Galatians 5. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Verse 16 says, For I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now, if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. He said the list goes on. Notice he didn't say these are the works of evil spirits. He didn't say these are the works of demons. He said these are the works of the flesh. So just because someone has a problem, we call it having a problem, they're just bound in sin, in some of these areas, there are people that say, well, you know, this person's got an adultery spirit. This person's got a, a lewd spirit. This person's got, uh, you know, a spirit of, they, they really like that sorcery one. Ooh, ooh, sorcery, witchcraft. That's all, they say that's all, I mean, you, you get a lot of people jumping on that one. Oh, that's demons. He didn't call it demons. He called it a work of the flesh. Most of the problems we deal with are works of the flesh. I'm not saying the devil's not involved in it. He'll get involved in anything you give him place in. That's right. But even if, you're, if you have uh, idolatry, sorcery, jealousies, all of these things, heresies, is the devil involved in heresy? Sure he is. 
But if you'll put your flesh under, you can stop that stuff. And if you don't put your flesh under, nobody's gonna cast it out of you because it's, it's not a demon spirit, it's the flesh. Now, there might be occasions where it's a spirit that needs to be cast out of somebody, but not usually. There's not one example in the New Testament of anybody casting an evil spirit out of a Christian. Not one. Now, this man I was talking about who eventually he was, he was let go, his wife and he got so far out there in this demonology business that they taught that every Christian has demons that has to be cast out. He got so far out there as to say, now, of course, they left, you know, they, they you know, we had, the Hagans had to separate themselves from them. They moved to North Carolina and have had a, a, a church there for years and it's been legal battles. There've been all kinds of things. They've, they've kidnapped people and held them and then sourced, you know, uh, 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 exor, ex, uh, exorcisms, you know, and so forth. They've done all these things and they've been, They've been hauled into court. It's just a big mess. Yeah, a misbehaving child. That's a demon. Well, I've seen some children acted like demons, but that's just a joke, okay? They just needed their behinds beat, okay? Uh, but this, this, this couple, they said, every Christian have demons. And, and this man, he, he said, I've never met a Christian in my life that didn't have a demon that needed to be cast out. So that means everybody he's ever known, everybody he's ever worked, Brother Hagen, everybody he's ever worked for, everybody. They have to have demons cast out. And this man, I've never been in one of their meetings, this is hearsay, but I've heard it from a number of different sources, that it's not uncommon for this man to get up and preach, and he doesn't, he's hardly started preaching before his wife gets up and casts the devil out of him while he's preaching. Hold on a minute. My husband's yielded, he had an extra piece of cake that he's yielded to a spirit of gluttony. I gotta call that gluttonous spirit out. Yeah, I know that sounds ridiculous. If you get outside the word of God, you can get into some ridiculous things. I mean, they're casting gluttony spirits, lying spirits, lust. She's got up in church and cast lusting spirits out of her husband, all kinds of crazy things. That's not scriptural. You can get into error if you get out beyond the word of God. Like I said, there's not one example in the New Testament of, a, of anybody casting an evil spirit out of a Christian. Jesus didn't cast any evil spirits out of his 12 disciples. Even after Peter denied him. Now, remember Judas? Judas denied and, and uh, betrayed the Lord. And the Bible says Satan entered into his heart. Remember reading that in the gospel? Satan, when they was there at that last supper, the devil finally entered. He had been working on him and dealing with him. And Jesus, if you go back and look at all the different gospels, Jesus had said ahead of time, there's one of you that's gonna betray me. He was giving this man an opportunity to repent, but he wouldn't repent. Well, the devil was... was talking to him and he was yielding to it but eventually he yielded completely to that spirit and it says that Satan entered him so he was possessed and he betrayed the Lord well Peter betrayed the Lord too he didn't have, he didn't have an evil spirit in him 
Jesus didn't. Jesus, in fact, Jesus told the, the, uh, the women, he said, go tell my disciples and Peter to wait for me in Galilee. He singled Peter out to make sure that Peter knew he was still welcome. Go tell my disciples and Peter to wait for me at the place that I told you about because I'm going to appear to you. Isn't that right? No devils cast out of him. The disciples didn't cast evil spirits out of one another. No, we need to, be, we need to stay balanced. Stay in line with the word of God. Yes, evil spirits do exist, but they have to be supernaturally discerned. Not every terrible trait somebody has is an evil spirit. Again, the devil will, will act on that work of the flesh, but it's nothing in the world but a work of the flesh, and we have to crucify the flesh. I mean, I wish it was so easy that we could just have, you know, Monday night or Tuesday night, a special night for everybody to come in and we'll cast all the devils out and then you'll have victory to, for the next week until another one comes and we'll cast them out again and that you can just live that way. But I'm telling you, it's not that easy. The hard part is just submitting your flesh, putting your flesh under and saying, no, I'm not gonna behave this way. I'm not gonna talk this way. I'm not gonna think this way. I'm not gonna act this way. You have to put your flesh under and renew your mind with the word of God. And if you don't do it, you're gonna be tormented as a Christian, but you don't have to be. Amen. You can say no to the flesh. You can say no to sorcery. You can say no to... to to jealousy and wrath and, and, and all the other stuff listed there and, and anything that the devil's trying to do in your life, just say no. Just, Nancy Reagan had it right, just say no. Just say no, I'm not gonna do it, amen? Amen. amen. Right. Now, when evil spirits are present, then you'll know by the Holy Ghost. Not, some people have categorized every physical ailment as an evil spirit. I have a book that I won't even tell you the name of because I wouldn't want you to read it. I, I, it was given to me years ago. It was sort of a, a textbook for casting out devils. And I knew as soon as I opened it up and started reading, I knew right away it's not scriptural, but I, I kept the book because I, uh, I just wanted to be able to, to refer to it. They had every, this book had, the writer had every, almost every ailment, all the common ailments that people have, and they had them associated with, with certain spirits. If you if you had uh, if you if you had uh, trouble with your hearing, then then there was a certain spirit that needed to be kept, cast out. If you had arthritis, that was a certain spirit, and they had them tied to different sins you had committed. If you had arthritis, it was because you were a jealous person and you had yielded to jealousy, and that causes I, I, I'm. I don't know which it was, but in other words, different diseases. If you had this, it was because you know when you, you've you've yielded to these sins. And so you had, you know, they cast those devils out of you. Well, that's not scriptural. Not all physical diseases. Now, we know that, that, that sickness can be an, a demonic oppression. Jesus cast a deaf spirit out of a man, a mute spirit. And when he cast it out, the deaf man heard, the mute spoke. So that we know that. But not every deaf or, or mute person has an evil spirit. Some of them are just lacking the inner ear. 
They just need a healing. They just need a miracle. You understand what I'm saying? So uh, uh, we have to be very careful along these lines. Not everybody that's an epileptic has an epileptic seizure. Not everybody has a demon when that happens. Amen. Sometimes it's just a physical thing. Sometimes it's nothing, <laughs> which we've seen before. So uh, we, we have to stay in the middle of the road. And if the Holy Spirit brings revelation, then you could act on that. I know Brother Hagin always taught us, he said, when you're ministering to the Spirit, he said, I don't care what kind of a, of a malady or sickness that is presented to you. He said, always start with healing and just, just take that as, a, as someone needing healing. He said, if it's an evil spirit, the Lord will show you. If it's not, just minister healing to it. Well, I, I take that as pretty good advice. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. That's, I told, and I told you I'd be short. How long was that? Three, four minutes? Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, we had a good service tonight. Amen. We had, we had uh, good praise and worship. Presence of Gostea, Fefefia, Shepafi, Kamora, Nedepra, Bebedita, Yananda. Jesus, Ofrevita, Ascredea, Seprefa, Tebrishi, Emanria, Nasa. Oh, my Lord, I do worship and extend my praise unto the heavens. For the Lord has redeemed, for the Lord has washed. For the Lord has justified, for the Lord has made me ready. For I'm not ready in myself, I'm ready in the Lord. I don't overcome in myself, I overcome in the Lord and by his grace and I give him all the praise and all the glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. God is among us. We have times of this in the spirit that are wonderful. We have times of teaching and it's wonderful. Glory to God. I'm glad I came tonight. Amen. You are too, I bet, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's stand up and be dismissed. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.